Hello, everyone. Welcome to CogCast, Cognito's podcast where we talk to journalists and media pros on everything that's happening in the world of journalism and PR. I'm Larissa Padden, your host today and a former journalist turned PR professional. Today, we have Joanna Soha with us, who is a freelance business and finance journalist based in Poland. She is the founder of W Insight, a media platform that features the stories of successful women around the world, and she has a book underway about Gen Y's relationship with money. Joanna, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, yes. So could we start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, some of the topics that you've covered, and perhaps your preferred beat? Yeah, as you said, I'm I'm based uh, in Poland, Warsaw. I usually write about potential mergers, acquisitions, and corporate strategy. And I also grow a side project, a media platform called W Insight. This is where I feature role models from all over the world talking about their career. Strictly out of curiosity, what does the W stand for? Women. Oh, nice. <laughs> I probably could have guessed that. <laughs> so you're a Columbia Journalism School grad. I went to Newhouse, but it's okay. We can still be friends. And I wanted to start by asking you what you learned at J School that stuck out and kind of helps you today. I know we'd all love to say that we remember everything from school, but kind of what are the lessons that help you in your everyday job? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I actually had an amazing advisor for my master's project, which was a hybrid, video hybrid. So I had to prepare a short video and also a written article. And I remember that my professor, he really pushed me to ask more questions. So I was actually working on a short doc about gentrification in Greenpoint and how gentrification impacts small Polish businesses there because there used to be a very strong Polish community. And every time I thought I have the story ready, he said, oh, maybe go there again and ask more questions, get more quotes. And, you know, it's like you kind of don't like it. But then like in the end, I felt that my story was so much better. So I think generally what Columbia taught me is that you shouldn't be satisfied with an average, you know, piece of work, you should try to get a better story, you know, Mm -hmm. in the end. Yeah, I think it's that young journalism frustration. And we all have it. I was guilty of it, too, where you think what you've done already is perfect. Exactly. And yeah, being told to go do more and then seeing the final project. It's yeah, sometimes we all need to be pushed. And then you're grateful to the people. But, oh, yeah. You know, at first you're like, yeah. why are they making me to do so much work? I know. Embarrassingly, I, I had a project where I, I actually asked to be taken off of it when it got changed from the original so much that I was like, this isn't for me. And I was pushed to do it by my professor. And then at the end, I actually had to thank them embarrassingly because it was better. Yeah. yeah. So you're you're currently a freelance journalist, which can be a tough road. You know, it's a, it's a little more difficult sometimes, but it also gives you freedom. Can you tell us first why you wanted to go down that road? And then tell us a little bit about your process, how you source stories and build those relationships. So I wanted to be a freelance journalist after a few years working for a business magazine. And I really loved that. I learned a lot. But just, you know, the fact of working from nine to five every day, it it really didn't feel for me mm-hmm. right. And so I started to grow W Insight. 
and sometimes I wanted to meet during the day with with the people that I wanted to interview. And so that was tricky with my full-time job. And I really needed that flexibility, you know. So that's why I thought, you know, maybe switching to freelance would help me combine, you know, the insight with the work that I'm paid for, basically. Mm -hmm. So, and also I thought about, you know, because the magazine that I worked for was quite a small magazine and it was also behind the paywall. So I was thinking, okay, I'm not really... Marketing um, yourself. Yeah, yeah. My news are not out there available for everyone. So I was thinking like I could freelance for different publications and maybe, you know, my name would be also in different media outlets. So that's how it started. Mm. And then in terms of sourcing, I'm an extrovert, you know, so I like to hang out with people a lot. So actually my biggest stories I think I got from, the leads for the stories I got, you know, during parties or like events. And yeah, and then I reach out to the sources to confirm the information or yeah, I schedule interviews. But yeah, I really love parties and networking events and conferences. This is where I get most of the stories. When you're a journalist, it's all networking, even when it's social. Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. I feel like it was. I was still a journalist when the pandemic hit, and it was so difficult to meet new sources or find new stories because you lost the person-to-person touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have to, like, call, you know, people every day mm-hmm. to, to ask how is it going, you know. But it's not as natural as it is when you can just meet people in person and you can build, you know, the trust and connection with them. Mm-hmm. So in your position as a freelancer, how is your relationship with PR? You know, admittedly, we don't often pitch freelancers because we don't know if they're attached to, you know, the publication that we're trying to reach at all times. So, you know, do you find those PR people helpful? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Could we be more helpful? (laughs) So I have a few PR people that I have a strong relationship with, I would say, even now. Uh, actually today, a PR person from Europe, he reached out to me that there could be interesting story for me to cover. So in these cases where we keep in touch and we update each other on the work that we are doing currently, so for instance, I'm working on a specific story and I need a comment from a specific expert and I know his clients are you know, companies that could provide some comment, I could reach out to him or, you know, to the person. And then sometimes when he knows about an expert that could, you know, provide me with some insight, he reaches out to me. So in that case, peer uh, organizations, I really love working with them. It's more tricky when I have interviews with, you know, with some leaders and the PR uh, people act like, I would say, agents, you know, uh, taking back some words that they said, because I, which I understand because that's, that's your job. But you can imagine that for me as a journalist who wanted this juicy story that could be uh, frustrating. Yeah, that's happened to me a time or two. Yeah. So I'm just thinking... In your position as a freelancer, do you wish that PR people would take the time to, you know, have a cup of coffee with you or have a drink and just get to know you and what you cover a little better? Or do you find those kind of meetings useful? To be honest, I've never had such a meeting. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Interesting. Like just a meeting with yeah. a peer person. I usually, I meet, if I meet them at conferences, mm-hmm. then it's natural. But I, I mean, if they just yeah reach out to me out of nowhere let's let's get a coffee that would be that would be something new to me Mm. yeah good good for us to know so as a journalist you must get a lot of pitches even as a freelance journalist you probably even get more what are some of the do any stand out to you what are some of the best ones you've ever received so I really like pitches when it's very clear how is the story relevant to what I'm doing so because I'm a journalist focused on specific niche, which is usually mergers and acquisitions, you know, and also in a specific part of Europe. I'm not really interested in, like, I don't know, real estate trends Mm -hmm. in general or some sociology issues or something like this. So, uh, yeah, I really like pictures when it's clear how it's relevant for my work. Mm -hmm. And, And, yeah, and sometimes I... I get press releases out of nowhere about, I don't know, the best dating apps, you know, in 2022, which I don't know. It's just, to me, it feels like peer organization that send out out. Maybe it's automatic, you know, but you spend so much time preparing that. So why send it to everyone? It just, it just feels like a waste of time, right? Right. And also maybe shows that they didn't do their homework if they don't know what you do. Interesting. Well, so you mentioned that you're in Poland, but you work globally, and it's great that technology allows for that now, but can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Do you work on different time zones? Do do you get to travel for work? Kind of what is that freedom like? So the short answer is yes, (laughs) I get to travel for work, and I love that. And I sometimes also work in different time zones. I don't love that, (laughs) but because I'm usually focused on, you know, Central Eastern Europe, I usually talk with sources from that specific part of Europe. Now, when I'm in the U.S. and someone from Poland reaches out to me, that's a bit more tricky, you know, because I'm here. There is six hour time difference and it doesn't feel like a lot. But actually, like right now, it's already like the working day is over in in Europe. So, you know, after 1 p.m., I cannot really connect with anyone. I mean, I can probably, but that's not easy. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So finally, you're writing a book about Gen Y's relationship with money. Can you talk about how this idea came about and what the process is like? Writing a book may be different than writing a news story. Yeah. So I mentioned that I'm an extrovert and I like to go to events and parties. So, you know, when I go to these events, I hang out with people and we talk. And so basically, this is how this idea came along because um, we are sometimes complaining oh these drinks are so expensive something something and then our rent my rent is so expensive and oh I graduated from this I don't know very good university I graduated from Oxford and something and then you realize there are so many educated millennials and they live from paycheck to paycheck you know Mm -hmm. and it's incredible and many of them I mean but this is just my observation right now but I also looked at research that that proves that you know that they are focused on living now that they it's uh, difficult for them to have an apart to buy an apartment right Mm -hmm. now with with the current inflation and um, also interest rates and yeah and they are using 
buy now pay later solutions and credit cards so but this is complicated this is a very complicated subject because you know it's not we're making a choice like you know this is how we're going to live paycheck from paycheck it's the economics that actually you know makes the situation like this for us mm-hmm. it's our situation is different than the situation of our the generation of our parents mm-hmm. so i'm just trying to explore that it's still the beginning of the work so i pitched this idea in in the financial times brackenbauer prize competition mm-hmm. and i was shortlisted the the proposal was shortlisted as one of 14 best ideas globally which is amazing but wow. it's still I only have a proposal, really. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to come back to the U.S. actually in August for three months. And this is when I'm going to really explore the topic and see how it is. Great. Yeah, I think it sounds really interesting. I think particularly around financial education, especially with young people, there's a lack of it in this country. So I think it could be really useful. Thank you so much. Great. Well, thank you for coming in and uh, sharing all your insight with us. Thank you so much for having me.